Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I have what I think is one of my favorite episodes of the summer so far for you here today, so I hope you enjoy it too. And I have Osmond Bag of Bolts Forever on. We're going to do a sort of all NBA teams for former Wizards. Again, only Wizards players. We're not including Bolts players. I'll be honest, I'm just not old enough to have seen the Bullets play long enough to feel like I could competently evaluate them to that level. I think a lot of our listeners are in similar boat, so... We're going to go recency bias here and make the cutoff only people that played for the Wizards specifically at some point. So again, it'll be first team, second team, third team. Please let us know in comments, social media, whatever, you, however you want to do it, what you thought of our list, anybody we missed, people you would have included. And, you know, we'll just kind of talk through uh, where we think we are. Talk a little bit about the old jerseys being back as new alternate jerseys, that kind of thing. So we'll get to all that good stuff in a minute. A reminder that we are still doing a merch giveaway. If you want a t-shirt, let me know. All you have to do is uh, review the show on iTunes, take a screenshot and tag us on social media, and that will enter you in the drawing. So uh, still an opportunity to do that. We'll announce winners here in another week or two. As always, we're presented by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. With that, let's get to my conversation with us. Pleased to be joined by Osmond Big. Oz, how's it going, man? Hey, it's going good, man. It's going good. Uh, how about you? I'm good. I think, you know, despite it being the sort of dog days of summer here, we got some stuff to actually talk about. So that's a, a fun change of pace for this time of year. <laughs> I think the first piece of like news news, uh, Monumental Sports has bought all of NBC Sports Washington. I don't know what the previous amount they owned was. I assumed half, but I don't know that this changes a whole lot for us. Like I made the joke about more propaganda. I think a lot of other people made the same air quotes joke and and probably don't even see that as a joke, but they owned a lot of it before NBC was kind of, you know, at the mercy of the wizards anyway. Uh, you know, Ted and Zach Leonsis were very instrumental in the decision <laughs> to not bring back Steve Buckhans and move Phil Chenier into another role. So it's not like, 
they weren't heavily involved in influencing coverage anyway. Does this mean anything to you? Do you see any big difference from this? Uh, no, not really. I mean, if we think about it, it's it's been this way for a few years. Uh, I have no idea, like exactly the mechanics behind the Buckhands thing, Buckhands being let go. But I think it's always been rumored that that uh, Monumental had their hands in terms of in terms of that. So. Like, and, and then even just looking at the coverage, it's always been very pro. It's always like, I think a lot, two years ago, I, I made this comment and it was like when people were overreacting, I think to, or maybe just kind of just making jokes. Two years ago, they had Brad Beal on their MVP ballot. And, and look, he was third team all NBA. He had a good, good season, but he was not in the MVP conversation. So it's always been, and kind of that's what you, you know, look, look, I watched that channel for, for now commanders coverage and nationals coverage, uh, you know, mass information that anytime, like whichever is the regional affiliate is always going to be biased. Now, now that they have more control, maybe a little more, but it's not going to be too much different. It's if you're, if you're tuning in there for analysis, it was always going to be Homer analysis anyways. I am biased because he is a friend of the show here. I think Chase Hughes does an amazing job and, and provides like good analytical breakdown of the stuff that the team does, but He's not ever going to be in a position to like go out and nor I think does he have the temperament to just want to like drag the wizards and destroy them. So like if if you're expecting any of that from them anyway, it's not going to come. Like I I think hopefully people like him can can you you know continue to give like good, hopefully objective coverage of of just like what they see on the court and but you're not going to get them like ripping into the team and all and and you know that's what we're for I think. Right. People get a little hung up on that kind of stuff. They're like, oh, why aren't the broadcasters? Like, what broadcasters, a home broadcasting crews really just like tear into yeah, the home rare. team that they're covering? It just doesn't happen. I think in the, the the rare circumstance that I remember it is like, I think Jim Palmer was like ripping into Chris Davis one. And but but Jim Palmer was a Hall of Famer for the yeah, Orioles. So he, he had that. equity and right. he could do that. So like, yeah, it's it's unrealistic to just think, oh, why aren't they talking about why isn't um uh, NBC Sports Washington diving into Kyle Kuzma's uh, on-off differentials. Yeah. Like they're just no, they they they're going to talk about his he scored twenty points and had ten rebounds. <laughs> I think uh, I've probably told this story on the podcast before, but when I was an intern at ESPN nine eighty, you know they were owned by Red Zebra Broadcasting that Dan Snyder owned and the mm-hmm. main affiliate of the team from a radio perspective. And I don't remember who they picked up, but Brian Mitchell went on air and just absolutely obliterated them. Dan Snyder is the worst owner in sports. Like he's a dirtbag. Like he just went in on how terrible they were and how mismanaged. And they went to commercial. He got called into a back office and he came out of said back office after some clear yelling going on in there with a brown, uh, brown box and just started like a cardboard box and just started like loading up his personal possessions and did not return after said incident. Now he, he ultimately returned to the station some amount of time later, but uh, they were not taken kindly. And I think, you know, the expectation is that when you are the main affiliate of the team, like you're kind of like handcuffed a certain amount anyway, and it's not in your own personal best interest to go out there and just like rip them to total shreds. Right. I mean, you're called basically the flagship for that team. And like, that's what, that's your role. Your role, your role is to increase viewership, not to, drive viewers away by telling them how terrible the product is. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and hopefully I think people on their end 
know that you have to be able to be like fair to a point um, and, and like honest. And uh, hopefully we can get at least like a reasonable balance. Yeah. So that's all I think anybody really wants. Yeah. And I also, I honestly think they're like, part of it is, yes, they are very there, but there is, you could tell when an organizational shift in mindset kind of happens through this. So when like, I'll just use Chris Miller as an example, he's very, very like kind of drinking the Kool-Aid typically. Right. Mm-hmm. And no offense to him. Like that's his, that's his role. He does. Yeah, he's, he does he's what a he cheerleader. Does well. Yes. And I, but I'm, I, and I'm looking forward to him being on the broadcast um, this year. I think he'll be a, an improvement there. Uh, but at the beginning of the season, he declared very early on, this is a different team. This is great. But once things started going sideways, mm-hmm. you could, when his tone changed, um, you knew changes. Like you could sense if Chris Miller on the broadcast was like kind of going in on how they were not like being, how the players weren't aligned and trades need to happen what happened at the deadline was not surprising. You know, it's like, it's like, I'm sure they get like, if the organization is not happy, that will also filter through. Mm-hmm. They're not going to just, you know, so there's some instances where you might get like the truth in that regard. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense too. Um, I think there's another item in the news here that they're going to promote more heavily than uh, certain folks will. I am a total Homer for this choice. The old, uh, teal and bronze, whatever oh, no. we're calling those jerseys are oh, back. No. I, I am all for this. This is my childhood. I think there is definitely some amount of this that's rooted <laughs> in nostalgia, but I just <laughs> liked the idea of them not having the same Jersey as everybody else. We look like we have like budget Clippers jerseys with the red, white, and blue. Like they beat <laughs> us to that. They've cornered the red, white, and blue market. We don't need to be the capitals light. And I, I just feel like the Capitals are the team locally that has been better. And so we're like their kid brother. So now we'll wear the same yeah. clothes as them. That, that's the only reason I was like anti the other jerseys, um, like the, the current started jerseys, the black, the district jerseys and stuff like that. Like I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just, just something different is happy. It makes me happy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like uh, they've, I've always gotten like the JV Capitals vibe from the Wizards in terms of all their marketing, kind of what they do. Um, that's it. Look, I just, I just hated this particular uniform. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like if they came out with the black and gold, I'd be like, I'd be more excited about the black and gold alternate back then, which I think at that time people hated that as much yeah. also. I think the you different know? shorts is what really killed people with that. The different shorts kind of threw it off. It did look, it, it was, it was an acquired taste. It took a little time to get used to. Um, is that what Gil wore when he had a 60 yeah. point game? When he went, yeah, well, he that, that's like the real nostalgia pick though. It's like he went apeshit in those jerseys. So like maybe yeah, we can did. get a little mojo back in them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was just like the funny part about like, look, and it was more just, I was having fun with people who were having so, so much fun with this because like, so excited about it. And it was not, not, not to be the fun police, but it was funny. It was just ironic to me because when these jerseys were around, people couldn't wait for a uniform change. Yeah. And everyone was like, we got to change you. That was one of the first things I think that Ted did. He's like, we got to change the uniforms. And they did. And people were excited about the uniform change. I don't know necessarily the net result, but they, everyone thought a change needed to come. So it's like, when did these jerseys all of a sudden become popular? But yeah, look, look, I ain't hating on it. Like it's, I'm sure a lot of people like became fans in that era and just kind of love it for that reason. And it's fun. You know, it's all good. But <laughs> I think they're terrible jerseys and the floor is terrible too. <laughs> I think this is going to be one of my worst takes, but I'm going to be upfront and say that I know this. They are called the Washington Wizards 
to me, that just seems like a color scheme a wizard would wear. I don't know what that means. I just, something about that seems like something you would see like Gandalf rocking uh, out in his everyday life. <laughs> to me, well, that's, that's, that makes sense. Like, does, do we have to be red, white, and blue just because we're in the capital? Like, why are we, why is that an obligation? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like every other team yeah. here is doing it except the commandos. Um, mm-hmm. And why Even they're the Nats, not, it's not like the Nats. Why they're not, not camouflage, I never will understand. But. <laughs> Even the, so the Nats got red, white, and red, blue, and gray. They have, you know, I don't, I don't really know what, you know, trying to figure out what the Nats technically are, like their, their scheme. Yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, baseball's kind of weird now with like what kind of jerseys they have to wear, like wear. But the, yeah, they're they're basically red, white, and blue. I mean, yeah, basically red, white, and blue. Yeah, but do we have to be all three? I don't know. Yeah, it's all good. Something different. I really love the something red different. summer league jerseys that just say Washington, and they're real clean with like a little stripe of blue and a little stripe of red. I could get down with that. So my favorite throwback is the orange bullets. Yeah, I like that too. That they, I think they wore during that was the Gil Larry Hughes mm-hmm. teams that used to wear that, right? Yep. I think that was my favorite. I'm down that. with that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it just seems like the red, white, and blue was like, all right, we want to be the bullets, but we can't be the bullets. So we're going to do everything yeah. to look like the bullets, except calling ourselves <laughs> the bullets. And they're going to be the wizards, lean into it and pick some weird shit, make them like rainbow. I don't care. Um, that but I'm waiting with for the pink jerseys. <laughs> What I'm waiting for is for that, um, you know, the whole 80s, 90s jersey, mm, which was yep. just, it was really just for everyone who doesn't remember, you could easily look it up. It's where Chris so Weber, Juwan Howard, that, those teams, it was just red and it was just white. Yeah. And it was like basically in small font, it said bullets with a couple of hands holding a basketball. Yep. It was as little work as you could put into a uniform. Mm-hmm. But I'm just waiting for that to be the next retro throughout and everyone gets all pumped over it. I like it. I think you those know. are clean. I have a Rashid Wallace one <laughs> they are of those clean in my, jer- in my jersey collection. Here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you got the Rashid Wallace one that one year he was, look at the that. One he year. jumped on it right away. Yeah. I was so, so young at this point in life. And I was like, this is the future of Washington basketball. I am like yeah. in 10 years, he's going to be the best player in franchise history. Um, you know, like little 10 year old me running around. And uh, I remember my dad being like, Hey, I just heard on yeah. the radio. They trade that Wallace character. And just like coming home from like fifth grade and having like a meltdown. So just like a quick Wallace and a like small thing. So I remember they had their first game, his rookie season, I believe it was at Philadelphia. And Wallace was the fourth pick, uh, Jerry Stackhouse was the third pick. And this is just how reactionary, like people being reactionary isn't only a current issue. If you could look it up, it's in the Washington Post. Whoever wrote, I can't remember who did it at that time. I don't think it was Tony Kornheiser. Whoever was covering, like covering that game, basically after Rashid Wallace's first game, wrote a column about how we were so close to getting Jerry Stackhouse and he would have been the greater, the better pick at number three versus number four, but just the lottery didn't work out. And it's like, it's like, wow. I was like, I remember thinking about it back then. I was like, like, it's been one game. And then like now we're in basically, we're in the era where um, if if a rookie doesn't look good in pro and basketball, it's like, wait, we did, we made a mistake. Yeah, we, can we get a redo? <laughs> uh, that's awesome. And not surprising in the least. And then we got to see the Stackhouse in DC experiment a few yeah. years later. All I right. So I think we would all hands down take Rashid. <laughs> yeah, that would have worked out a little better, I think, in retrospect. So that's fun. It's good to know that we've had a track record of doing that. Uh, NBC also tweeted with the new jersey, the new old jerseys. Uh, 
I maybe Chase tweeted, or maybe it was the NBC account itself, but they said, here are the best players to wear the teal and gold jerseys. And they had Gil, Wall, MJ, Jameson, and C-Webb. And we can talk about this a little bit as we go here, but it's, it's sort of like also inspired the timeliness of this particular episode. So I've said all summer, if you have topics you want to hear on the show, let us know. And finally, somebody took us up on that. Uh, Sean Whelan came, you know, came to me in, in, in the DMs and said uh, he thought it would be a fun podcast, be a fun listen for folks if we did all NBA teams for Wizards in the last century. And we kind of tweaked this a little bit of just people who wore Wizards jerseys at some point. We're like actual Wizards. Um, so we're going to go through these today. Oz has his list. I have mine. We can kind of go back and forth here a little bit. But uh, first, second, third teams of Washington Wizards. Um, so keeping in mind sort of the general all NBA team structure, two guards, two forwards, two centers. You know, I think we can be a little liberal here on is MJ a shooting guard or a small forward or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but Oz, do you want to start us off with uh, your first two guards for the first team? Yeah, so I think I am going, to, and, and I had a hard time with this one. Um, I am going to go with my first two guards. I'm going to go Gilbert Arenas and John Wall. Ooh, okay. I like that. Because Wall did squeeze in right before the uniform change. He did. And, uh, you know, they... This is interesting, right? Like, I think there were a couple different guys here um that you could really go with too like there's there's a cast of guys so did, did you guys did you just do guys who wore the old uniforms for this i did guys who wore the yes well no yeah okay i, I did anybody that played for the team as they were known as the wizard so like beal is on here for my list oh gotcha okay i think i would still go with a couple questions. Do I have to base it off full resume or just kind of like who I would take on my first team? You can base it on whatever criteria you want here. So like, let me give you my first team list yeah, here. Okay. So I've got John Wall, Bradley Beal, Karan Butler, Antoine Jameson, and Chris Weber. Mm-hmm. Um, and Weber played some power forward and played some center. His last season in Washington, he was designated as the center. So I felt like a little dirty putting him as a center because I think of him more as a power forward. But uh, to me, that that's sort of like the group I would go with. I left Gilbert off of this at the first team, have him on the second team. To me, it's it's three guards for two spots, essentially. And I prefer Gilbert of the group. But I think Wall and Beal, um, you know, basically have both played like twice as many games as a wizard that yeah. the Arenas did. So that's sort of why I gave them the edge. So I, I can definitely see that I chose Gill over Beal. Beal next. I chose him over Rod Strickland. Ooh, okay. There you go. Yeah. But I and um I really wanted to take Rod Strickland, but mm-hmm. I thought a Rod, like, you know, if I was also looking at this as first team, but also like a team playing together, sure. like a rod ball backcourt would be awful. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> that's a little tough. <laughs> that's like I was just kind of picturing that a little bit too. And I and I know Rod really his best years before like he was kind of at the very end when they actually switched names to the wizards yeah. like when they were still the bullets he was that's when he was doing his thing and what did he have that like uh he had a ridiculous triple double i remember in golden state like one day when tracy murray had 50 points but anyhow sorry 
not not to digress, but I go with uh, yeah. I went because Gil to me three All NBA teams and really his like three year stretch, which exceeds the total All NBA teams that Beal and Wall have made together. Yeah. So then I was really going. I'm putting Gil in, even though the window is short. Um. And then it went Wall versus Beal, and I think more impactful. I had to say more impactful and better, better resume for winning. I had to go Wall right now. I. I think you could very easily make that case. And and to me, like to your point, like Arenas's best years were the best of that group. I think his, him at the mm-hmm. height of his powers was the most impactful. Uh, I, I gave Wall and Beal the slight nudge only because their duo had a little bit more postseason success, you know, slightly a little bit more. Um, they didn't run into up and coming LeBron James like four years in a row or all get hurt, but uh, th- that's why I gave them like the slight tick ahead. And I've got like their numbers as wizards um, again, box score stuff. So these are just counting stats so take these for what you will, but in 573 mm-hmm. games, wall averaged 19 points, four rebounds, nine assists, 1.7 steals shot about 32 and a half percent from three Beal in 645 games so far, averaging 22 points, four rebounds, four assists, uh, 37.2% from three. And Arenas in 357 career games is 21-ish points, 20.7 points, four rebounds, 5.3 assists, 1.6 steals, 35% from three. So like their stats are all relatively about the same. They're all in the 20 points per game. Um, Beal and Wall stats are like surprisingly close. Beal 22, four and four. Arenas 21, four and five. Like it, it actually surprised me to see that they were like in lockstep with each other. Yeah. So I think where default to Gill is when, like you said, the height of his powers. So there, that three-year stretch where he was all NBA all three seasons, 27.7 points a game, uh, let us see, 5.7 assists, 4.3 rebounds, uh, went to the free throw line like 9.2 times a game. He was basically a modern-day Harden at that yeah, point, right. you know? So, like, and and that's that to me exceeds, it definitely exceeds Beal, um wall you could argue because when he was at his best he was a two-way player and his two-way impact lifted everyone around him so i could make an art yeah i could see the wall versus gill argument but so that's why i kind of put them together yeah that makes sense and to me like the closest arenas comp right now is like damian lillard and as taylor rooks told us this week uh lillard is not a superstar so um (laughs) i feel totally okay putting his comp arenas on the second team has she responded to that and like said any justification for that comment yet? Not that I I'm have waiting seen, for her but... to try to have. I would love for her to invite Dame on and explain to him why he is not a superstar, but Kyrie Irving is. Right. Say that to his face. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, Kyrie has won so much more, obviously. Uh, <laughs> all right. That could be a whole separate podcast. All right. Who are your forwards on your first team? So I did something uh, something a little similar. I kind of moved positions around. So I did not go with Anton Jameson. I went Ooh. with, this is very specific, okay. but I wasn't rule, I wasn't like uh, entirely sure how like how strict the rules would be. Nah, it's all good. I went with Jordan because okay. I thought Jordan was actually really good before he banged me with Popeye Jones. Yeah. So I want I want that version. I like that version of Jordan. And I think that rookie that first not rookie, the first year he was pretty good here. Mm-hmm. I move I would I and I had Butler. I just love Cron Butler. I did not put Anton Jameson Fair. on the first team because I thought Anton Jameson was so streaky mm-hmm. as a shooter and inefficient and 
such a sieve on defense that I just could not put him on there. That's fair. Um, I, I debated that. Jamison, the way I thought about him, and I remember even thinking about this back in the day. If you see him one game, you're like, ew, what, what, is, what am I watching? Like, especially if it's one of those games where well, like he gets his first, we're protecting a 15 point lead and two, three seconds into the shot clock, he just launches a three for no reason. But over the course of a full 82 game season, you see his value because he's always there. And even if he's off, he'll go until he's back on and it just kind of works itself out. But I just didn't want to put him out. Like, I would, I like Butler. I just like Butler's game more. I just kind of always been a fan. Uh, Jordan and then Weber, same thing. I move Weber to the five. Kind of cheating, but. In today's game, he's a five. I, I totally think that too. Yeah, I get that, my Robin. I get my Robin Lopez. Current day Robin Lopez to back him up. You know? Exactly, and that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, so Butler, three hundred ten games in Washington, nineteen points, six point six rebounds, three and a half assists, one point eight steals, only thirty one and a half percent from three. I was a little surprised. I remembered him being a slightly better shooter than that, but you know the mid range was kind of more his thing. Jameson, mm-hmm. four hundred twenty one games. 20.8 points, nine rebounds, 1.8 assists, 1.1 steals, 36% from three. And then Weber, 212 games, 21 points, uh, 9.7 rebounds, 4.4 assists, 1.6 steals, 1.7 blocks, which was pretty good. And he was like yeah. a 34% three-point shooter here. So to me, that's if I'm a team, that's definitely the guy I try to trade immediately. Uh, you know. That's that, that still will always break my brain that that was a guy we didn't want to hang on to. And I just wonder um, what his career looks like if he stays here long term. I, I honestly think like his career still would have been it would have been just as good. Yeah, I think like, it would have been better, to be honest with you. It could have been better. He made five straight all NBA teams after leaving after being traded. Um, the other thing with him with Weber is. Is. Um, I actually think it would have been much better for the organization if. David Stern did not save a Poland and just let Jawan Howard go. Yeah, you know, agreed. Yeah, they could have kept. Well, the one mistake they made is I think they immediately. And I love Rod Strickland, but they shouldn't have traded young Rashid Wallace for him. Yeah, it's like in my mind, I'm like, if they had just kept Rashid and Weber together, it could have been special. You know, like a modern GM, if he could have had those two as a front court, it would just be like salivating yeah. right now. Yep. All right, <laughs> second team, I had Strickland and Arenas. Michael Jordan and Jawan Howard, and my boy, Marcin Gortat. Uh, who, who do you have second team? That's quality. I have, uh, so my guards are just, so since um, Beal did not make my first team, I have Beal and I have Strickland as okay. my two guards. Uh, my front court, I have to put Jameson here now. I can't just, okay. I can't like be that mad. He definitely belongs here now. Um I also had Gortat at my five, and I think my three, looking at it, I had Otto Porter. Interesting. Okay, so... I don't, like, and it's one of those things I don't love, but, like, he's he's had what I would consider now a long, productive career, and it's also, like, one of those where, like, I was thinking for a second, can I squeeze Richard Hamilton and make him a three? But I was like, now I'm cheating too much. It, it, you know? it, it's close because he did play some three in, he played uh, some in three. Detroit. Yeah, but if I could move him to the three, I would bump Otto and I would move Rip to the three. There, but like you said, like you know, we always say we don't have a modern wing. Mm-hmm. We really have had modern wings for like decades. Yeah, true. The three has always been like the three has just been a hole, and it's like 
yeah, like I can't put Jared Jeffries there because it's not it wasn't really good enough offensively. Ariza was here for a year. I don't really put, I don't want to put him there. I just could I didn't have anyone that I love, so I really debated. Yeah, it was between Richard Hamilton and Otto. And this doesn't mean like um like I was critical of Otto at the end, but like I think he's proven that his skill set works in the league and it's been working for a long even at like half of the athleticism he came into the league with because of various injuries he was still playing rotational minutes on a finals team so i wanted to i put him over there i have no issue with Otto making a list here he's going to appear on my next team spoiler alert but do you have Jawan howard on one of these lists i have him yes okay he's right. on the next one so, i have a lot of hostile feelings towards Jawan howard the player same but same i, I, did, too, I did not I didn't keep them off. No. Okay. So I looked at this and I was just like, damn, raw stats are like actually kind of better than I remember in my mind. I've just trashed Juwan's game so much because <laughs> I'm angry. He was the one we kept of that group of bigs to that yep. previous point, but uh, just there kind of, again, raw counting stats here, Strickland, 304 games, 15 and a half points, 4.3 rebounds, nine assists, 20% from three but on 0.7 attempts <laughs> per game. So you can't fault him too much for that. Uh, yeah. Arenas was, like I said, you know, 21, four and five. Jordan here, 142 games, 21 points per game, six rebounds, four and a half assists, one and a half steals and 24% from three. Um, I mean, it, it just, it's just hard to keep Jordan off one of these lists at the very least, yeah. no matter what you think of how it ended. And uh, again, and I would encourage anybody to read that book um, when nothing else matters about Jordan's time in DC. And just like he was hurt before he started playing here and still did that. Uh, so that, that's always impressive. Um, okay. So Gortat, 11 and a half points, 9.2 rebounds, one and a half assists, 1.1 blocks, like a 56% shooter from the field. And I, I just gave him credit for being like an Iron Man for this team, basically. Yeah. Like you yeah, just, no, that's fair. Like you could make the argument that Avery's Gortat, but Gortat was always there. He didn't yeah. miss twenty to thirty games every year. He was in in shape. He didn't lose thirty pounds the second he left Washington and joined the Rockets. Like he was always in shape and always did his job when he was here. All right. So to recap, first two teams so far, I've got Wall, Beal, Butler, Jamison, Weber, first team, and second team, I've got Strickland, Arenas, Jordan, Howard, Gortat. Your first team was Wall, Arenas. Butler, Jordan, Weber. And second team, you have Strickland, Beal, Otto, Jamison, and Gortat. Correct. Okay. I like it. We're pretty close. It's the same group of guys for the most part here. All right. Uh, I think this is where this is where um where I think we're gonna start seeing. Yeah, it gets weird. It gets weird here. (laughs) It really gets weird here. Yeah. Yeah, I almost had like a hard time filling out a competent third team of players. I was going to text you. I was like, maybe we should stop at two teams. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is this should be the good part of the discussion here, though. Like the rest are like largely unassailable. Um, All right. So I had this is where I got a little weird with some of the positional stuff here, too. My boy Larry Hughes started out here as a point guard. So I have him as a guard for this. So third team guards, I have Hughes and Rip Hamilton. And then forwards, I have Otto Porter and Nene. And then, uh, well, let, let's stop there for a minute. Let, let's just go guards. So who were your guards for 13? It's a little weird. I have Richard Hamilton, which is the same. Then I have Deshaun Stevenson. Interesting. Okay. 
because I put the Sean swag Stevenson was crazy. Yeah. The swag was crazy. Um, he made one of our playoff series a complete spectacle. Sure. I wanted. I thought about Hughes, but Hughes signed a three-year deal here, and those first two years he kind of really struggled. It was really that last year. Yeah. The first year, I think he had a chemistry issue with Jordan. Yeah. Remember, Jordan wanted passes in particular places. Yeah. It was just the whole deal there. The second year, he was okay. The third year really took off. Stevenson at least had several seasons, I thought, so I gave him the bump because of that. Sure. Um, Hamilton didn't really have any memorable time here, but he was just a good player, and it wasn't his fault that he got traded. So, <laughs> so those are my two guards. I don't like neither of them could really handle the ball. If that was actually a team, I'd be, I'd be screwed. But like those are my two guards so far. So here's a question for you: Does Mitch Richmond warrant consideration Absolutely on this not. list? Absolutely not. <laughs> just from a raw so, numbers perspective raw numbers he does i guess but it's like he got old the second he came yeah. to this team yeah. and like it was all just the, the numbers he put up was just volume is because like he was a star and they were gonna just force feed him i remember looking at i was like this guy's only 32 he's like he literally moves like he's like 42 you know yeah, yeah. He, and he i remember even like reading Jordan an article moved on the there's one article that just drove me crazy and like in hindsight knowing now what people do for training and all that it was like it was pre-training camp, and Mitch Richmond was talking about, yeah, I went out, felt like getting in shape, so I went like and I ran two miles on the track. It's like it's yeah. like, excuse me, huh. <laughs> yeah. that's all you need. That's all you need. Just go run eight laps around the track, and you're going to be in shape for an NBA season. And I think he may have pulled his hamstring. Then maybe that's why that was the story. <laughs> that very much sounds right. And to me, like I never even really thought about him. And then I was sorting through people's just like numbers and. So Hughes played 189 games here. He averaged 17.7 points, 5.4 rebounds, three and a half assists, about two steals, 32% from three. Hamilton, 212 games, 15.6 points, 2.8 rebounds, 2.4 assists, 31.7% from three. And Richmond, 161 games. He was 17.8 points, 3.1 rebounds, 2.6 assists, 35% from three. Like objectively, box score wise, he was better than them. Um, yeah, but I think it's because he was ascending. Like, Rip was ascending. Yeah, and neither neither of them played in any significant games. You know, yeah, I think so that's my logic there. The, the Rip one, I honestly struggled about, like with his inclusion here a little bit, only because I remember some interviews he did, especially during the pandemic, where he talked about how like no one ever asked him to ever play any defense while he was here. And then when he got to Detroit, they were like, you have to find a way to be a passable defender. And, you know, he talked about like not cutting his nails so he could like scratch and claw at guys if he had to. And I've heard that from other players of that era that he did that. But it was like, OK, so you would intentionally admit to like never playing any defense while you're here. At least, Larry, you've got the first team all defense. Um, to me, I couldn't leave him off because of that. And I think you could have put him anywhere one through three on a list like this. Yeah. Um, all right. So my forwards here, I struggled with this a little bit. Um, so I had Porter and Nene. Who do you have for your forwards on this team? I have Calvert Chaney and Ooh, Juwan okay. Howard. Got it. All right. I Chaney's like numbers weren't great. I think that's because he morphed into more of a fourth option once yeah. Weber and Howard got here and his numbers took a hit, but he was a. He was a good role player for a decent amount of time here, I thought. So, like, in, 
like if you got look through some of the historical stuff with the Wizards, there aren't players with much longevity here. Yeah, he had, I guess, what you would consider decent longevity. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember by, like by he also standards. like yeah, and it, it my thought on Calvert Cheney was always like he did not have to take a backseat when to Juwan Howard when Weber came. He shouldn't have because I thought he was a more talented scorer. Yeah, um, I think he was like maybe a twenty point per game scorer at Indiana. Um, and he had no issue putting the basketball in the hoop when he got to the NBA as a rookie. But then he kind of became very passive and kind of became more of a role player, post-up shooting guard, like kind of combo two guard, three. But I, but I do recall there were times where when Weber, Howard, Weber and Howard were injured, um, I feel like the Bulls came in here and Calvert had like 30-some-odd points against Jordan. Like on a couple of times because he would just like, like post them up to like he was like a six seven two twenty five like it was basically like another big body going right back at MJ so there was just more there and but like for play, playing the role I put him in that spot Juwan I'm not the biggest fan of um, but he deserved inclusion here in the list somewhere yeah he, like the numbers are too good to leave off the list and he's like yeah. maybe one of the bigger what ifs uh, in franchise history but. Again, this, the Pickens got pretty slim here by, yes, the, uh, by the end. Um, okay, so the other couple names I had uh, for inclusion here. Ariza, again, like the two seasons combined, he's at like 13 points, five rebounds, three assists, one and a half steals, 37% from three. Otto was only uh, 10.7, five and one and a half, and 39.9% from three. So it's like... Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, Otto played like 150 more games here than uh, Ariza did. Or no, actually 200 yeah. more games here than Ariza did. So like, I ultimately had to include Otto somewhere on this list. And people, right. people really shit on Otto. But the last two years of good Otto were really good and really impactful. They weren't max contract good, but like no. ultimate role player good. I think two things working as Otto. Number that he was one number, number three overall in the draft. Sure. And two, the max contract. So people got to take out of take put context when you're talking about the third pick in the draft it was a really i, I gotta look back at it historically now but from what i recall it was a terrible draft yeah, at least right. going in and i think even evaluators at that time were calling it a bad draft i mean yeah. the number one pick in draft that draft was anthony bennett who washed out of the league almost as fast as any number one pick right. oladipo was not there for us the next picks after auto Porter zeller. Was Cody zeller alex yeah. len yeah. Nerland's no- noel who never turned into what people thought Ben McLemore, KCP, Trey Burke, CJ McCollum. I mean, what are we complaining about? Yeah, they did the best. Like Giannis went fifteenth, but no one knew. Yeah. No, so don't make the argument. No one was on here on Twitter because Twitter was around back then. No one was on Twitter saying we need to select Giannis number three overall. Agree. That said, uh, he's not a max player, and I think I think what happened was near the end of Otto's tenure. <laughs> I think Bullets Forever played a big part in that. There was a whole kind of auto porter is an all nba caliber player mm. and wall needs to include him you know mm. like basically there was like if you go back and even look like you know a lot of the you know contributors there and look i that's where um i mean that's where i work right now too but i remember there was a whole like get out of the ball more do this and Otto's mm. really kind of like an like you know he's on the same par as like a pg 13 and a jimmy butler or what have you and it was kind of the finger became pointed at wall to get him the ball more. So I think you saw a divide and like a divide on Withers Twitter. 
<laughs> saw a divide in that locker room. I mean, like Wall and Beal actually throws Otto out because of that shit. Yeah, so I think that plays a role into also what is what people think of him. But he, when he was here, he was he was a good player, not a great player, but a good player. So I, I had Nene on here only because I, I think the on court stuff is one thing, but it just one he wanted to come here, uh, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, at the time, not a lot of people did that. Um, and two, he brought like just a little bit of toughness, I think, of just like, this is a big burly dude that, you know, there was like a little edge. Uh, but the numbers were a little more underwhelming than I remembered. So we played 249 games, averaged 11.8 points, 5.6 rebounds, which was surprisingly kind of low, but that was never really his thing. 2.3 mm-hmm. assists, one uh, one steal, and like a half a block. The other name I kind of considered, even though I really, really did not like him a whole lot, was Markeith Morris. Uh, He played 210 (laughs) games, averaged 12 and a half points, six rebounds, 1.7 assists, uh, basically a steal, and shot 35% from three, and was a starter on like decent playoff teams. So uh, on paper, I would have never thought about him. Um, But I didn't think about him. I'll be honest. I didn't, didn't, thought didn't even occur to me. Yeah, it's just like it, but that's how weird the end of this list gets. Where like, yeah, he's at, he's at least an honorable mention just based on you know on court production. So I didn't go with that because I but I put Nene as my five okay. on the third team. Yeah, um, I just thought like basically what he did to Jokic Noah in that one playoff series automatically vaulted him up that list. And he had a, a toughness that came out in the postseason. Sure. So I give him some credit for that. He was physical. He was, he really didn't care if he, like, he wasn't trying to be nice to the other team on the floor. I, I, I liked, I liked that about him when he was engaged. There were times during the regular season where you saw the low rebounding totals and kind of the fadeaway shots and some of the conditioning issues. And you were like, why? But with Markeith Morris, I think the only time his numbers were fine because he played he was had a role and played 30 minutes a game and you're going to put up numbers if you just play that much. Sure. But I thought there was only that first two thirds of that. First, there was like a three month stretch where he played really well mm-hmm. his first full season here. Outside of that, I never got the sense that, Oh, he's really playing well, you know? Agreed. Yeah. And Nene, especially if you put him as a center on this team, like it's a much easier inclusion, I think, because the yeah. center spot here was was also kind of slim pickings too. And it was between him and Haywood for me. Yeah. So I I really zagged on this one here. And it, it might be again like one of these like long-term horrible takes exposed kind of thing. Uh I have Gafford. Uh and that might sound insane, but Wait, Again, Daniel Gafford. Daniel Gafford. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th- that, that Gafford. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's only been 95 games so far, but it's at least more than a full season. He's averaged 9.6 points, 5.6 rebounds, one and a half blocks, and he shoots 70% from the field. Haywood, granted, played about 500 mm-hmm. more games than that, but uh, he averaged 7.7 points, 6.3 rebounds, one and a half blocks. And shot 53% from the field. So, like, like on paper, Gafford has been a better player. Now, Hayward was more impactful. He played with better people uh, Mm -hmm. because he was here longer. But uh, I still have a lot of Gafford stock. And I think, like, the fact that he's young, the ceiling is going to go up. Um, But I had had Hayward as sort of like Hayward. uh, I had Brendan Hayward as the guy (laughs) that um, 
probably made the most sense here, given the way I went with the rest of the roster. But uh, just just Gafford coming in that first year and just like instantly changing the defense. I, I always like to me that was like an overachieve moment, and I always felt yeah. like he would just sort of like slightly underachieved everything. Like I felt I like he should have. I felt like he should have been better. I think Haywood's inclusion was just because he was the starting center on a playoff team for like what three, four straight years. So, um, and he was basically the only one trying to play defense. But yeah, oh, with Haywood, what you don't see with like where I would have a tough time putting Gafford on the list already. But at the same time, slim pickings, like you said, Gafford gets the ball quickly, is up off the ground, puts it back in. Haywood had such a hard time gathering and getting back up. Yeah, he could have done been so much more effective if he was just quicker quicker off the floor getting the ball back to the hoop you know yeah i mean he was a reasonable rim deterrent the fact that there was like real debate about he or Tom thomas as the starting center for so long like i know that gafford has not been like a career starter the whole time here but i i didn't penalize him too much because he doesn't have the track record yet just because he is young and early in his career but i yeah. think it's reasonable that I'm buying long-term stock by putting him here in the fact that like by okay. the end of this contract, uh, he could have played. You'll look, you might look good in like five years saying this. We'll, we'll see. You know? We'll see. I might look really <laughs> shitty if he gets traded <laughs> at the deadline. Um, you never know. So a couple other names here, I just want to throw out. I did not consider them because to me, they didn't play nearly long enough here to warrant consideration on an all wizards, all NBA team, but somebody is going to respond to this and say, what about Russell Westbrook? And somebody's going to respond to this and say, what about Chris Tapp's Porzingis? And it's like, if you put Gafford on there, why wouldn't you put Porzingis? It's like, well, he played 17 games so far. Let's let's dial yeah. it back. Talent-wise, he's better than these guys we just named. But to me, yeah. just, you can't put a guy that played one season here, part of one and season. And I say that almost. about Porzingis. Since he, Porzingis, to me, is the most talented player they've had possibly since Chris Weber. Pure talent. talent. Talented big or talented player? Talented period? big. Talented okay. big. It's okay. hard. Like, you can go back totally to the wall, maybe. Totally yeah, agree. but in terms of talented big, he is the most talented big that they've had since Weber, I think. Um, but it's way too way too small of a sample with him here yeah. um, to put him on any of these teams. And even just going forward, it, like, we have he has to play 60 games. And I'm yeah. not even – 60 is not, like, a huge number, but he has to play minimum 60 yeah. games. Okay. See, like, if he's playing 45, 50 games, it just doesn't, you know – how much is he really helping? Because then I, it's not like they're going to go 40 and 10 in the 50 games he's playing, you know? Yep. So I'm, I'm totally with you. All right. So uh, this was a harder exercise than I think it probably it should was. be. And it would be on most teams. Yes. Uh, you know, most franchises, this is pretty straightforward. Like if you pick the Lakers right now, you basically have half of the top 50 players of all time on your list. <laughs> yeah. Doing this exercise, like you had to pick eras and then just start looking up who was even on that team. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, we had this guy. <laughs> there was a lot of like, oh, shit, that dude. Um, yeah. It, it's yeah, it's interesting, too. And again, this is based on their contributions to the Wizards. So I don't want to hear, hey, dumbass, why did you have MJ on the second team? Um, he's the best player sure we're going to get MJ comments. Um, but it's MJ. And he was really playing with. A terrible roster, yeah, they were which awful. is probably his fault because he was in charge of the roster. That's all, that also has to factor in a little <laughs> bit here too. You chose your teammates at that point. Yep. Um, all right, so let's take six players from this list and and build who would be most competitive 
as a six man rotation in today's NBA. So starting five plus plus a bench player. So one question. Mm-hmm. We're taking them as at their peak as a wizard. That is correct. Okay. Got it. Okay. I'm cool. I'm ready. Okay. So uh why don't why don't you go first and I'll give you mine after. So I think peak as a wizard. Are we starting with the backcourt or do you want to just kind of yeah, go? Yeah, let's, let's start backcourt. So um okay. can, we, we basically covered the names here. It would be somewhere between Gil, Beal, Wall, and Strickland, I think. I think I'm taking Rod. Rod was my favorite at his peak. And I think you look back, I, think this, I gotta like, I'll, I'll send it out when you, when you post this, like the triple double he had against Golden State. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just Quinn is like my issue with like wall sometimes is he and actually this is something where he would have learned so much if like a Rod Strickland was on this staff. Yeah. Rod Strickland knew he couldn't shoot, but he did not keep shooting. Sure. He relentlessly drove to the basket and had so much skill. Like I think everyone talks now about Kyrie Irving being the most skilled. And I think Kyrie Irving has credited Rod Strickland with a lot of that. It's his I think it was like yeah. yeah, it's got yeah. So there's and you could see with how Rod was able to finish different angles. And he's talked about this angles off the backboard, different types of spins, different hands, what to do. He knew exactly what to do. Like if, if Wall had taken that into his game, he would have been so much more dangerous with his ability to back downhill. But what you saw with Wall too much is crunch time. I'm dribbling side to side and shooting a 20 foot fadeaway. The fadeaway long twos killed me. The long fadeaway twos just drove me crazy. So I am putting Rod Strickland peak Rod Strickland Wizards as my point guard on this team. Because I also saw Rod cook MJ a couple times, like yeah. at his, when MJ was at his peak, you know? So like, uh, yeah, he's definitely my point guard there. And if I'm building like a shooting guard to play off of him, I'm not taking Gil who needs the ball. I'm not taking Wall. I'm putting Beal in, Beal in as my, uh, but I'm taking not current Beal. I'm taking 2016, 2017 Beal. Yeah. And putting him with, putting him with peak Rod Strickland. See, that's that's actually interesting. I, I actually had the same thought about Beal of like, well, maybe more catch and shoot Beal would be better for this particular <laughs> team. Uh, I went Arenas and Beal together in the, um, you know, maybe more point Beal actually makes sense next to Arenas. You could both mm-hmm. take some turns there. And in like a modern NBA, um, both guys being able to score, uh, I, I think puts a lot of pressure on people. They were the best shooting backward of the two so i think that that's sort of what tilted me uh in, in that direction uh all that's right. not bad i mean that's look that's a backcourt that's putting up 50 50 at least a game yeah i think minimum 50 it's super hard to guard and it it makes more sense i think when you hear the rest of my group too so um forwards i had karan butler and otto porter uh, who, who did you go with for the forwards? You know, so this this is funny. We literally have the exact same forwards. Oh, okay. And I, like I thought it. you were going to crap on me for including Otto Porter as my forward here. He just makes like, the most sense with this, with this kind of group of like the guys who are like a role player, you know. That's what I want. I want a role player. I was, you know, again, I'm not going to, if I didn't include a reason on my first teams, I'm not going to include them now. Sure. I would have, yes, I would have those two there. So the way I would view the team then is this. Rod is my my like 18, 12, and like seven point guard Beals, my score, 
Butler's another guy where he's not completely off ball. He needs his touches. He needs mm-hmm. his mid-post touches to get that kind of turnaround shot off. And so he's my 20-point-per-game scorer there. I don't need a four who's looking to, sh- to get to the, for the ball. Right. I need a four who is running the floor, playing good team defense, and making threes. So I'm putting Otto Porter as my four there. I, I struggled with Karan on my particular group here too because like Arenas and Beal – they shoot it well enough to kind of space things. Otto adds some spacing. Karan, like I said, not a great three-point shooter in Washington. He was 31.5%, didn't take a ton of right. attempts. But I feel like with this group, you could get him to be a little bit more spot up perhaps. And that he'd yeah. have so many open looks. It's not like if he's making 19 footers contested, I'm sure the guy could have made more wide open NBA threes if he'd had better yeah. looks. Yeah. I Yeah. No, no, I, I think so. I think there, and he was like, he always raised his game against like top i remember him and danny grazer who for some reason has been shot on recently on twitter this is so used to go back. <laughs> and when he was an all-star him and butler used to go at it butler used to go at it with pierce i have no doubt he would have been able to step up in the right moment and i think in my for my team because rod is not like a traditional given the ball score i needed a second score to go with Neil on the roster there so that's why i have butler on mine um going to the five i'm guessing we both have the same five gotta so, go see web yeah gotta go see web and that kind of ties the entire team together because he he could operate with with or without the ball. He could be a playmaker. He could be a scorer. Um, yeah, it just would have been perfect. It's unbelievable that they had him and let him go. People are mad about like trades of like like uh, like other trades that have happened here since then. That was the worst trade they've ever made. Yeah, it's, it's really tough. It doesn't matter who you get back in a situation like that. Even if it had been someone that wasn't a corpse at that point, uh, it, yeah. it's still it's still rough. Uh, and, and I think I looked at him for my particular group as like arenas, not a pure point guard point Beal, still not a pure point guard. Mm-hmm. See web could like create for others and stuff too. And maybe he allows you to run some of that, like Sacramento Kings stuff. And just like, you let him go out and just like run high post stuff, create for other yeah. guys. And, uh, also who wants to guard this group of five people in transition. So if, if like oh, the yeah. goal was match up with like the death lineup of the warriors, like, Mm-hmm. you know that that's sort of how i looked at it. all right if, if you had to add one more guy here as your sixth man to kind of plug some holes for the rest of the roster who you got so i debated this um because weber is a little undersized at the five so mm-hmm. would i need a, a would i need a gortat type as to back him up mm-hmm. but then how many webers how many minutes do i really have behind weber right so then i went back to wall and i think um wall off the bench what I would tell Wall is on, on this team, off the bench, I was like, you're playing 30 minutes. You better play at your max tempo, full speed, relentless defense, like just a relentless attack in the basketball. We are not like dribbling in place, shooting fadeaway jump shots. That's your role on this team. I, I think that makes a lot of sense too. And and I struggled with this one. Just I was like, well, I can't really go Jamison with this group. Like doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, I, I went with an absolute Homer pick and maybe not the best player remaining of the group, but I thought the one who could do multiple things here. And I went with my guy, Larry, uh, you know, he works in a backcourt next to arenas. He, he guarded every other team's best player perimeter player yeah. while he was here. And if you have an arenas be old backcourt, you could use a guy to come in that doesn't right. need the ball a ton can slash a little and create for others. And is like welcoming, yeah. Yeah, welcoming of taking on the tough assignment. Absolutely. Yeah. I can see uh, that for sure. All right. So to recap, you had 
Strickland, Beal, Butler, Porter, Jr., Weber, Wall. I had Arenas, uh, Beal, Butler, uh, Porter, Jr., Weber, Hughes. So uh, we'll have to like simulate this on 2K somehow <laughs> and, and find out who wins the seven-game series. If anyone wants to take that on for us, let us yeah, know. Yeah, let us know. Um, that, that would be funny to find out. Uh, again, someone will give us the, you don't have Porzingis or Westbrook. Um, I actually did think about Porzingis a little bit for this as like the sixth man, even get, they only played 17 games. Yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't have been bad. And I like part of me with Westbrook is like, am I picking on Westbrook because of how, so like the whole Westbrook really did play great. Probably the last 30 games here. Right. I mean, the numbers, if you look at the raw numbers, they're absurd. Sure. Even some of the games, the stat lines, and you still have Westbrook fans on Twitter just, hey, remember when he had 30, 20, and 20? You know, and it's like, you kind of don't appreciate it, and those are ridiculous numbers. But the thing is, even when he was great, like he would have a great game, and then he would shoot like, shoot like a three when we were down two, you know? And those things just drove me crazy. And it's like also, it's it's also like how people have just jumped so much on counting stats. And I'm not a big advanced stats guy, but I'm also not like a counting stats person either. And if someone dominates the ball the entire game, they should have a lot of counting stats. And mm-hmm. for uh, for a point guard, point guard, really, it's like if you choose to rebound, you're going to get triple doubles because if you have like a 40% usage, you're going to get your 10, your, your, your points and your assists, you know? I think I mentioned this last episode too, but like every worst team still has a leading score, you know, like every bad right. team and they're going to yeah. have a leading rebounder and a leading assist getter and, uh, you know, not to knock on Westbrook too much. Like, I don't think you could put him on a third team, uh, given just the guards that were here, how little he played compared to the rest of them. But if you wanted to put him on a just pick the best five kind of list, I wouldn't give you a hard time, you know, if if you thought he made sense with another group of guys. Right. Agreed. Totally agreed. All right. So Ryan Russillo has this thing he's going to do on his podcast. And it's basically a podium of the worst sports takes throughout the year. And they'll slowly like knock guys off as people make worse takes. Uh, I want to steal that a little bit. And just <laughs> what are the worst wizards takes we hear throughout the year? And I've got a nominee so far to start, uh, start our podium off here a little bit. And I'm going to call this person out by name because they were a little rude to me. So they can suck it. Uh, Wit Deshits Five on Twitter um, said, "Quote in my response to how would the Wizards like our guy Brendan said like that the Wizards could make a better package um, than the Knicks to get Donovan Mitchell. I, I don't agree with him, but like I'm happy to have that convo. I like Brendan. Like we could have a civil debate about. It. So I asked how. Yeah. Um, and this guy jumps in and is like." Uh, you're drastically undervaluing Wizards young players. Jazz can't build with no player. New York offering. Rui is a six foot eight, three level scorer. Denny six nine, very good D guy. Corey is a six foot seven sharpshooter. Um, I, I just need everyone to know why this is such a bad take. I like Rui. I actually like Denny, despite thinking he has some things to work on. I think Corey is a perfectly fine sixth man kind of guy. Uh, the Jazz do not want them. For like one simple reason, they've turned down protected picks even because they want a lot of unprotected picks. So they're not building a better package around Denny, Rui, and Corey than New York is with five, you know, five picks, even if they are protected. It's just not what that team is looking for. And 
you couldn't get a, a first round pick in return for probably any of those three guys right now. So it's not a one for one. I like them as players. I think they will be good depth guys here, but it, it's just, this is a typical Washington sports fan thing of like, our guys are better than your guys. Well, then why don't we win? I mean, it's just, yeah. it's a terrible, terrible take in my opinion. And he followed up by telling me how bad I am at evaluating talent. Like, okay, fine. But I'm just telling you how common sense works. Like a team that wants picks does not want any idea instead of an unprotected first round pick. You're just wrong. I love how like disagreements then turned into like personal. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm an idiot. Case. That's fine. Yeah. So you're an idiot. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that really is a good one because it drives me crazy when people say, so it, it's like, absolutely. I pay no attention to the Donovan Mitchell, the Washington stuff except to make fun of the fact that people think it's actually a possibility because the Knicks are offering, like you said, five first round picks, um, two of them, three of them are protected, but two are unprotected. The earliest unprotected first round pick we could offer is 2028. 20, and that's the only one we could offer. Picks so are not we, can't, we can't beat it. Like there's no, like we can, and like all due respect to Brandon, who we talk to all the time, there's like, we can't. So, and then when people say, well, Rui, Rui's going to be a free agent in 12 months. So if Utah really likes him, they could just get him in 12 months. Yep. So why, why trade something of value for someone you could get in 12 months? And then teams want picks. They don't, want play, they don't even want players on rookie contracts because those rookie contracts expire so quickly. Especially they don't want to like, the ninth pick. They're expensive. Like it just, yeah, it they're is. expensive. And like Denny's extension eligible next year. Rui's a, free, a restricted free agent next year. That's like, why would Utah want to trade for two guys who they have to give contracts to in 12 months? Makes no sense. So like anyone who keeps saying that, it's just, it's just they're ignoring reality completely. That's a good one. So with the shits five, I love you, but you are on the top of the podium for worst Wizards takes at the moment. If anybody else has any nominees, feel free to send them in. Uh, we, we can keep the names off and keep them anonymous if you want or call them out. I, we're just trying to have a little fun here, but uh, take note. Yeah, don't I take it personally. It's, just all, it's all in good fun. I've mentioned three times some probably terrible takes I've made on this episode. So if, if they merit inclusion here on the list, if Daniel Gafford being third team, all wizards is that terrible of a take, like I'll put myself up on the podium here. So can I say one thing, just like one, one take that's been annoying me the entire summer. Sure. Like everyone jumps on our young players, calls them all mid. Well, we are the definition of everything. mid. Our superstar is mid. Our starter vet starters are mid. Like, look, our starting point guard is Denver's backup point guard, you know, but then we're, but we're somehow blaming, like, but we're pointing our finger at the young players for not being superstars, but it's like, okay, like, I don't, I I just don't follow. Basically all of our young players are projecting to be what are the best starters that we annoy and put on a pedestal are. Like, if you told, like, I'm not, if you told me that if I had to project out Rui Denny's career, I think in two, three years, they'll be just as effective as like a Kyle Kuzma. Um, but Kuzma's on the pedestal. Those two aren't because we're not like patient with it. And I don't, I, this is not a point I like Kuzma. I'd like, I would, I would ideally like West Oslo Jr. to rip the no cards apart and play all three of them together. Yeah. But for some reason, he just wouldn't. Um, like a Monte Morris, like if Monte Morris was here developing slowly off the bench, we'd be looking for the upgrade. Mm-hmm. But he became the upgrade because he was somewhere else. Sure. You know, so it's always like the whole another man. I wouldn't do want to say trash, but like you know, they another look better on the other is, side of the fence. Yeah. yeah, another man's mid is our bet starter. <laughs> I think you could put 
Tommy Shepard on the worst takes podium right now too, for his notion of, Oh no, no, we were only ever drafting these guys to be reserves. Like that's a terrible take for a general manager picking in the lottery three out of four years. Like, and the 15th pick is basically a lottery pick. Like let's, let's not twist that. So yeah. uh, well, if you were only trying to get is... reserves that that's, you're not doing your job. Right. The direction is odd. It's like they, they get mid bet starters and then they draft. I don't really like, I don't think intentionally, but then they draft to kind of develop guys slowly to backfill, but they don't have the patience to see them out as I think you and I had this, we had this discussion offline where it's like a, a Toronto has like a Siakam averaging seven points a game mm-hmm. his first two seasons. In second year, he averaged seven points a game. OG, OG averaged seven points a game his second year. Now I'm not comparing our guys to those guys, but they invested in them. Mm-hmm. They actually in, in OG's case and also in like a Norm Powell's case, they bought, they, they extended cheap because of that. And then they, when they were ready to play, they put them in. They didn't replace them. We are, like, I don't know if we're trying to follow that model, but it's somewhere along the line in 40 games, we get impatient and then we get a starter in there um, who's up for an extension. And then we just like a Bertans, like we get a Bertans in and then we pay maybe a million dollars. I wrestle with this a little bit because like right out of the gates, Denny and Rui both started their first game in the NBA. They both averaged over 20 minutes per game as rookies. Like that's pretty healthy you know, minutes and playing time as a rookie. Granted, they both got hurt a decent amount. I think that's the biggest thing. And I don't know that that's necessarily the Wizards' fault. They've been a little bit snake bitten with these guys in terms of like just having them available to be on the court. It's the replacing them with like meh vets that don't have any opportunity to get better and are expensive. That's the part I can't reconcile. It's just like if they're going to be average anyway, Play the young guy who could potentially end up better than average. Right. Like, if you like Barton, that's fine. Have him be the sixth man. Because the way his career is trending, that should be his next role. And he could probably extend his career playing that role. But if he comes in and is the starting small forward out of the gate, that's a problem. Because he's 31 going on 32, and he's a free agent in, 12, in like at the end of the season. And to me, that the, does not make ball. sense. He'll want the ball. Yeah. Like, he wants to earn a next contract. So if he's on the bench, right. he can go out and cook people. And I'm cool right. with that. Yeah. But like you said, like they've been a little snake bitten. So like Rui was the starter. He misses time for personal reasons, which we still don't know everything about. But it's it's almost as if it seems like the team still is being patient with him. It seems like the fans yeah. have basically, because he had the mental health issue, have moved on, which is to me, like if you just weren't a fan at all, that's fine. If that if you want to move on because of that, and there are people who just weren't fans of his from the beginning, that's great. But if you're moving on just because um just because he had to step away for the game from 40 games. Um, that just kind of reeks a little impatience, you know? But even because the injury we're not, stuff. We're not winning like, the championship this year. He's had weird injuries. You know, I, yeah. Isaac Bonga nutcrackered him his rookie yeah. year. Like that, that that stuff. The pink eye was weird. Like he, he's just kind of had every like he's, wrench yeah, thrown in his plan. Right. You're right. Uh, just, so that's mine. I, I, no, I think that's really good. Uh, all right. So we'll keep this going throughout the year. Again, you can nominate any of us for that too. If you hear something stupid on the podcast, um, you know, feel free uh, to do that. Just to close out the show here a little bit. We got some um, requests after last week's draft focused pod to, to bring back uh, our prospect profile segment this year. The guy I want to talk about this week is Dayton's Duran Holmes II. He's about 6'10". 
I think he'll be a big time sleeper. I got to see him in the A10 tournament and was really impressed. He's like an actual big who runs the floor really well in his final five games of the season as a freshman last year. Again, this includes their postseason tournament. Uh, he averaged 20 points a game, six rebounds, one and a half assists, two blocks on 68% shooting. And he didn't shoot like any threes last year, but he's a, he's got decent form. And I, I think he'll end up being a guy that can stretch the floor a little bit. So I think he's maybe my, my favorite returner as a rim runner for next year's draft. And he was in the 98th percentile in transition and 95th percentile around like scoring around the basket. And if you average three and a half blocks and stock or stocks, basically blocks and steals combined <laughs> per 40 minutes, like that's really good for a six foot 10, yeah. 225 pound guy. So I don't know if you've seen this guy at all yet, yet Oz, but if you see Dayton come across your, uh, your timeline at some point, give them a couple minutes. I absolutely will. I've not, I look, full discretion, I have not seen him yet. But once, and, and I think, you know, from artists, I kind of jump in more midseason. Sure. But um, with the local teams looking a little better, I might jump in a little sooner, you know? Yeah, I think there's there's some stuff to pay attention to. So he'll be in the A-10. He'll play the local teams. If you're going to go to a George Mason game or a George Washington game or something, uh, wait till they play Dayton because he'll be worth it. <laughs> Uh, as always, Oz, I appreciate the time, man. I think this was really fun. I would love feedback from people. I will probably write this up for Bulls Forever and put both of our teams on there as well. So if people have comments, um, you know, let us know. We're, we're open to feedback. With that, we were presented by Bet Online. Rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff, and we'll catch you next time. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.